Flyover Politic Podcast, the show for normal Americans. From his undisclosed bunker, here's your host, Tony Reed. Jesus Christ, can we bring Trump here? No, 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 you've misunderstood completely. Just give him some rehabilitation. I think he needs help. I'm just going to be in the press, it'll be horrible. But I'd like, I'd like that you're all a part of it. When was the last time an actor assassinated a president? <laughs> I lie for a living. Right now. I've so what is it that you I've want to do? Let me tell you, that motherfucker is the was he the one the one that was shot, the scapey guy? I mean that guy the, the, what's his name? Chase the I really don't want you to deflect right now. No, this motherfucker, like his whole job is like to get people Hello. convince Republicans to fucking kick people off fucking health. Okay. We know all of this. I hate so, this motherfucker. Yeah. I'm Phil, fucking glad he got shot. I'm glad he got shot. I'm not gonna fucking but, say that in public. You don't have well to then say what that are you public. saying it to us say for? Something. Say something. What are you telling us for? I wish he was fucking dead. Why are you telling us, but I'm not telling anyone fuck, else? I'm trying to fucking figure out It's okay, out. because I've been recording this conversation since you've come in, so I will publicly release it myself. And welcome back to Flyover Politic Podcast. Wasn't that sweet? Yeah, that's Johnny Depp. And that's a Nebraska political arbitrage. Yeah. I'm glad that fucking guy got shot. And I thought it was a really good... Intro, I had a soundbite after with only ABC covered it, but they really didn't care. And I was going to play it, but what's the freaking point? So, yeah. It's been a week. It's the 27th of June, year of our Lord, 2017, and nothing's changed. Nothing's changed. Your humble host, Tony Reid, is just sitting here going, wow, this could have been last week's podcast. It's all the same. More the same. These are all things just before we get to close the loop. CNN preliminary indications are a Michigan airport suspect said something in Arabic before stabbing officer. That happened. Attack. Of course, CNN, nobody wanted to say it, but he said Ali Akbar. And last time I checked, that was like what most, you know, terrorists do. NBC broke it, but it took a long time for the media to break that it was a terrorist attack. Michael Moore's fat pig ass said, any media calling Flint Airport stabbing an act of terror when you've never referred to the governor poisoning people at Flint as terrorism, fuck you. Yeah. Mm. Mm-hmm. That's an apple. That's an orange. Got it. But that's all the left has right now. Another one. A dozen House Democrats just met privately discussed the need to change leadership and announced Nancy Pelosi before the 2018 midterms. NRCC being a smart ass. Few have done more to elect Republicans than Nancy Pelosi. And it, it was just, it was really, really funny. The dubious and oh so CNN centric dossier. Yeah, folks. 
It's coming to find out it's pretty sketchy. It was a Washington firm that commissioned the dubious intelligence dossier on Donald Trump. It's stonewalling congressional investigators. Senate Judiciary Committee earlier this month threatened to subpoena the firm Fusion GPS after it refused to answer questions and provide records. But it's looking like that firm is just a DNC strategic outfit. And, of course, they're not going to give it up. Because as we get into further in this podcast, what Tony Reid's been saying, and I'm not a Trump supporter, and what conservative media is saying, this is just a ruse. It's all been bullshit since Jump Street because we've been down this road for a year, and if you ain't got nothing, you ain't going to get nothing. Three journalists actually quit at CNN. Uh, Thomas Frank, who wrote the story in question, Eric Litbaugh, an editor in the unit, and Lex Harris, who oversaw the unit, have all left CNN. In the aftermath, the retraction of a story posted on CNN, CNN has accepted the resignations because it didn't meet their editorial standards. And as we all know, it was about a Trump ally, Anthony Sarkamucci, who literally, they said he had Russian ties. It was all bullshit. All bullshit. All of it. Just made it up. Because that's what we do now. We just make shit up. Simultaneously, and I'll use it in our next podcast, Supreme Court got busy. Some serious rulings, and that'll be in tomorrow's, because remember, this is the podcast of Palooza. You get a podcast today, and you get a free-for-all on a Thursday. It all recorded on a Wednesday. And we're going to talk about the ruling on the travel ban, the Arkansas Gay Birth Certificate, which you're going to hear me lose my mind on that one. And also another one uh, that the... Media is totally ignoring it's Missouri, and it's in reference to financial institutions getting reparations for things that states are regulating. In this case, it was a doggone playground. But the state said, and this is Democrats said, well, you can't get it, church state. But you're making us get it. Oh, it doesn't matter. You don't get the money because you're a church and you're bad. And, uh, yeah, the Supreme Court said that's, that's not actually what the Constitution said. All of these... In most cases, we're going to see, they're going by the letter of law. The Arkansas, I totally believe they're not. But we'll save that for tomorrow. So let's close the loop. But the fact, David, that it was so close, uh, at least it, it appeared in the polling, and then the results as well. The results are actually really close. What does this say about the state of affairs, especially the Trump? Um, is there a mandate for, for Donald Trump? Uh, will, will he keep his uh, support? Will it stay the same? Are Democrats looking at this as necessarily a loss? Or they, they got close and maybe there's hope for them in the midterms? Well, I don't think there are moral victories here. I mean, I think that the Democrats lost this race. That is a loss. They went all in on it. Uh, and with all the energized base that they had, the small dollar donations, uh, yes, they were running in a district whose DNA is a Republican district. So it was an uphill battle all along. But they lost. So I don't think we should uh, gloss over that. Oh. Are in on the Georgia congressional runoff. Democrats thought they'd be able to pull off a win, but it did not happen. But he did not lose by much. But John Ossoff was defeated by Republican Karen Handel. So people are saying, you know, oh, the Democrats can't pull it off. I just want to say that 
this race was much closer than anybody thought it was going to be, yeah, particularly right. in a state that has always gone Republican, much like uh, the race that we saw. Oh, my God, where was it? Where the gentleman shoved the other guy. Oh, oh was that Monta Montana? Montana. I think it was Montana. Yeah, okay. So is, is it John that Forte. they haven't uh, pulled it all the way out or... Or things moving in a different direction. I think things are moving. This was a district that hadn't gone um, Democratic since the 70s. 1978. Yeah. So, and the strides he made are more proof that there are people coming in and getting participating that are sure. making a difference. This was a guy with. He's 30. I don't. Mm -hmm. think I know, but the fact remains that since Donald Trump won the election, or you know, since he was nominated, the Democrats have lost three elections. Mm -hmm. So, yes. if you're using Donald Trump as your basis for your campaign. I don't know if it, it's working. I don't think people are going towards the Democrats in enough numbers I, at this I think point. What's, and it's a problem, but big what, problem. What we're seeing, though, is in, in this particular district, to your point, mm -hmm. Whoopi, this is the most educated, wealthiest district. Um, so, I hear music. Um, <laughs> district in, in Georgia. And education means that they may be, they are likely making more money and we know that the Republican Party certainly the tax cuts that the Trump administration has promised is going to inure to the benefit of that community yeah. so I don't think we should be so surprised that they voted in yeah. their best interest I don't know that it's it's an indictment of Trump I don't think it's an indictment of the uh, of the Democrats generally I, speaking I, I funny sense generally speaking Republicans vote in bigger numbers than Democrats. Yes, that's true. Okay, Indeed, so the, the trick the trick is to get these people to the polls. Now, how do you get them there? You've got to have a clear message. You've got to have a charismatic candidate. You've got to I promise you You've got to do what his Donald Trump did. Yes, speech. but you know what? The bottom this line guy? is... No. What? He was I was going to say, he didn't even move into the district. That's, that, that was they, the, the Democratic Party should have said, listen, listen, you want to run, you want to win, he you move into the district. He didn't yeah, his whole life there. You're not good enough. Yeah. No, that's true. Okay, okay, so, not only did he not live in the district, so, but a vast majority well, of listen, his donors listen, came from outside the state. The, which the bottom line is, <laughs> you can say it's a loss. I don't see it that way. Mm -hmm. I see that it's progress. Democrats <laughs> are coming out, and they're not coming out perhaps in the numbers you want them to come out in. Montana, we this kid, the man who ran against the gentleman who won was would never have had not one iota of movement had changes not been happening. I'm saying I'm not looking at this as a loss. I'm looking at it as slow progress. Yeah. I think the I think that's a good point too. I think the, the issue though, what I was saying before is the vast majority of his donors came from outside I the totally, state. He I also get all of had that. a lot of celebrity endorsements. And I think what was confusing for me was his messaging. Because when I would hear him, I would hear a heavy focus on Trump and anti-Trump. And then I would hear some conservative rhetoric about the debt and concerns. I think for me, when I look at the Democratic Party, what concerns me is that I don't see a clear message. And I think a lot of voters in those areas of the country that didn't vote for Hillary Clinton felt the same way. And I think if they no, focus no, no, on that. Bernie Sanders had a clear message. Right. He just didn't get the nomination. That's true. I agree. He had a clear message. You, you, need a young, you need a young Bernie but I don't Sanders. Think this guy look had a clear message. You don't need a young Bernie Sanders. Listen, Bernie had a lot of time to get his own state together. Bernie and he saddled, didn't. But Bernie was saddled as you know? a socialist. He was old. The whole his, thing. Listen, his message didn't he hold did a message, What should though, the message be? What should be the Democratic the message? Me, the message, it, look, I don't think there's anything wrong with the message. I think what's happening is people have to make 
decisions. You know, you feel you don't want to see any more gay people. I'm sorry, gay people are here, they're staying. And they do want all this. That's not going to change. You want people to understand how you feel about your God? Well, I know how you feel about your God. That's great. But you can't force me to feel about your God how you feel about your God. There are a lot of well, specifics well, that people that people don't want to hear anymore. Yeah. They don't want to see a lot of changes. People are tired of change. But it, it, this is America and this is what we do. It's also a very social issues involved. So what are the implications of all this? Look, these were all Republican held seats and Republicans won them, so status quo has been maintained. But the fact that they had to spend tens of millions of dollars to defend them is a sign going into next but year. But also the Democrats spend even more in the yeah. Georgia. Yeah. And, and Indication of things to come in 2018? Absolutely. We're going to be up late that night, I think. You know, and, and if you think about it, tens of millions poured into these special elections and Republicans barely got by. Even in that South Carolina race, it was a single-digit win for the Republican in a place that it shouldn't have been. They're not going to have that much money to defend in dozens of competitive districts next year. Could be a real scramble for both That's sides. Nice. And a special thanks to the President of the United States. Yes, that's the media still just dying over Ostoff. The first was CNN pretty much crying about the loss. In fact, there's a meme that's going all over the internet. They went to a break and you can see Ruben, uh, Dana Bash, all of them. They are so downtrodden that night. They, they, it was just like when Hillary lost and it's all over the internet, which I think is hilarious. You're the view crying about the loss. WAPO, regardless of its own foreign special election, GOP's Screwed. And the closing was the the uh, acceptance speech by Handel. And the reason why I play that is all over Twitter, you're going to find people saying that, um, you know, the reality is the only way she run she won is that she ran away from Trump because the voters didn't like Trump. But that's just not what you heard. So going to like the New Yorker, Ostoff Law shows things could get much worse for the Democrats. The only thing Democrats won recently was a congressional baseball game, while the only way Democrat voters can seem to get Republicans out of Congress is by shooting them, and they can't even do that right. I think that's in such poor taste. Ostoff's loss off, and the three prior to it, has left the party messaging fractured and split between two primary lines of thinking. Abandon the moderate center, which Ostoff attempted to cater to, by going further left, the Bernie Warren activist mode, or moderate, moderate the message by attempting to peel away disenfranchised Trump voters. Two glaring examples of these fault lines have emerged on Twitter. I'm not going to read the first because that's the mf of the day, Jill Filipovic. He says, herein lies a Democratic problem, just as it was a problem when Hillary Clinton below bellowed about a basket full of deplorables during the 16 campaign. Democrats and their base think the key to winning election is to insult voters. Another problem is that Trump won educated white women over the first major party female. The otherization and dehumanization of large swaths of the voting public is a primary reason operatives like Filipovic 
have been reduced to tweeting from the havens of the upper west and east coast. He goes and just breaks it down, breaks it down, and breaks it down. Dan Pfeiffer's between CNN gig basically wanders around acting like he has nothing to do with the past eight years of rise of Donald Trump. In a series of tweets, Pfeiffer argued the key to Democrats getting back on their feet is to go after swing voters, specifically those voters who flipped Barack Obama to Trump in 2016. Take back the House. We need lean GOP, lean GOP voters who disapprove of Trump to vote for Dem. This is hard, but very doable over 18 months. So that's the other thing. And this one just breaks down that both are pretty not good that right now. He closed with Democrats either want to be a party that offers a more sane and measured alternative to Trump's chaotic, unpredictable craziness, or they want to keep putting together symbolic marches while attempting to explain why some of their more extreme supporters are staging campus riots, talking about blowing up the White House and stabbing people on trains or shooting them at baseball fields. Maybe they'll figure it out by 2018 or a couple of years into Trump's second term. Another article, I think this was New York Times, Ostoff's George Six loss is a reality check for Democrats. Breaks down pretty much the same stuff. But in the end, they spent $30 million on this election. Mostly out of Georgia money. Let's go back to Project Veritas for those who have been with the show a long time. How many of those are votes are illegal? How many buses came in? How many? How many? I'd really like to know. They ignore the out-of-state money. They don't even talk about it. The Planned Parent Action Fund. <clears throat> this is a great little thing. PPFA funneled hundreds of thousands on Ostoff and what NBC correspondents Gabe Gutierrez heralded as the most expensive house race ever. According to data from the Federal Election Commission compiled by Susan B. Anthony, Public Policy Vice President Planned Parenthood, spent a whopping 734716 Dollars. The DCC, or what I like to call, I guess in Washington parlance, the DCCC, gave 4.9 million. Move on! Oh yeah. 274,000. And that's, that's Soros, folks. Oh, you overheard it was about Cokes, but that's Soros. Okay? That's a lot. The Hill came up with five takeaways. Republican nerves are soothed. For the White House, a win in a Trump referendum. The power of money has its limits. Democrat infighting wraps up and then he breaks down the same stuff. This stuff just keeps going and going and going. It made Michael Moore do a, just a, a, a oh, oh, he just fucking spazzed. If you think the party who's won the vote in six of the last seven pres votes, but old zero power is now 0-4 in 2017 votes is going to win next year. Get a freaking clue. The DNC and the Triple C has no idea how to win because they have no message, no plan, no leaders, won't fight and hate the resistance. Hmm. All I hear them doing is hate. They do videos to the resistance, fat ass. What are you talking about? Morning joy, freaking piece of shit. Almost called her Morning Joe. <laughs> Joy Ann, Hillary Schill, Race Bader Reed, Republican factions could hate each other's guts, but in the end they vote with the tribe. Anyway, not to be belabor the point, but Dems want people to agree that society should care for everyone and people should prioritize kindness. Oh, really? That, that's what you're putting out in your messages? That, you know, a guy who's bleeding and in text of care is uh, just a racist. That's all you said for two days. So I, I don't see how you care about people. 
it's clearly obvious you do not care about people if they don't have a D after your name, which I think has a lot to do with this. I think people are just sick of Democrats who just, all they do is tell everybody they're pieces of crap, and if you don't believe what I believe, you're a bastard, or they come up with new ists or ism or obes. I mean, really think about it, folks. I think some of this is just backlash for eight years, eight years of, if you vote for the other team, they're going to rape pandas in the parking lot because they're all just a bunch of gosh darn racists. That was the message for eight years. 1,000 seats lost later, I'm asking, you think you should stick with that? Is that still the route you want to go, Dams? Because I'm telling you, most of your leaders, and as we'll see further on, that's what they're talking about. Ariel Davidson, you suggest that a man deserved to be shot as he lay fighting for his life. We really don't need your lecture on kindness. And I I think that's pretty freaking spot on right there. That's pretty spot on. I think that's what we're talking about. Sally Cohn, though, best thing that could come out of the Georgia 6 results is Democrat Party to finally give up its self-destructive obsession with centrism. Yeah. Okay. Jonah Goldberg, nothing preps you for the next election more than concluding your team is too virtuous to win and voters are too evil or dumb to see the truth. <laughs> Somebody else summed it up better. LeBron James, what the Cavs won in the NBA Finals. That's a response to a WAPO. They gave him a whole freaking page to say what they really won. He was a loser. Why do I cover it? Because that's all we've been doing with Hillary. It seems like it's nonstop. We talk to the losers because we like them better. and We hate you pieces of shit over there on the right. It's, it's really kind of sad. Really sad. But, you know. What, what what can you do? What can you do? I, I don't know there's much we can do. To the rhetoric, Free Beacon, Dem Senator, Senate GOP healthcare bill, more evil than the House version. And I'm going to play Warren and Sanders as they do their new thing on blood money. This is now the new thing. Blood money, of course, on the internet is telling people you, you shot people. How could you even say blood money? So here it is, the Republican bill that they've been negotiating in secret for the past several weeks. And boy, now that you've had a chance to read it, you get why they kept it in secret. Because this bill just has one flashing neon light after another that signals who it is that the Republicans work for. Let's go to the part on taxes. Do you have a trust fund? Well, if you have a trust fund, you're in luck under the Republican plan. And do you make a lot of money in the stock market? If you do, you're in great shape. And how about if you're a giant health insurance company that pays your CEO more than half a million dollars a year? Tax breaks are there for you. Now, the problem with these tax breaks is that after a while, they start to add up. So how do the Republicans plan to pay for it? Let's turn to another section. Remember the House bill that cut billions of dollars from the Medicaid program? The Republicans in the Senate have decided 
that bill wasn't cruel enough. So they put in deeper cuts on Medicaid. And just take a minute to think about what that means. It means that one in five Americans who are getting their health care through Medicaid are going to have to suffer through those cuts. 30 million kids who get their health care from Medicaid, deeper cuts. And for nearly two out of three seniors in nursing homes who rely on Medicaid to help them pay the nursing home bills, they're going to face cuts. Cuts, cuts, cuts. And for people who've got insurance on the private markets, the Republicans have news, and that is that insurance companies will now be free to offer plans that just cover a whole lot less. What are they willing to let insurance companies just toss out the window? Um, maternity care, gone. Mental health care, gone. Treatment for opioid addiction, gone. Annual limits, lifetime limits. Right now, you're fully covered, but Republicans say, nope, that can be gone too. And of course, the section we were all looking for, the Republicans have said, no more funding for Planned Parenthood. For the millions of women who count on Planned Parenthood, for cancer screenings, for STI tests, for basic health care services, gone. This is a really terrible bill. And make no mistake, this bill is about tax breaks for the rich, and this bill is about Republicans saying, hey, those are our priorities. We're taking care of the people we care about, and everyone else can just bear the costs of it. This is the moment to tell the Republicans in the United States Senate, to tell every one of the Republicans in the United States Senate, no, this bill does not represent our values. This bill is not who we are as a country. We believe that health care is a basic human right, and we will get out there and fight for it. Yeah. Her rhetoric's horrible, but that's what they're fighting with, right? That's that's their mode and how they think they're going to win things back. And their people, well, they just keep attacking. 30 GOP congressmen have been attacked or threatened since May. May 8th, Wendy Wright, 35, was arrested after stalking David Kustoff of Tennessee. May 9th, Tom Garrett needed heavy security to leave a town hall because he was receiving death threats. One of them, this is how we're going to kill your wife. Another detailed out, he's kill his children. Even his dog. Yeah, his dog. That's so nice. May 12th, the town hall participant accused North Dakota Representative Kevin Kramer shoving fake dollar bills into his suit jacket. A Kramer supporter grabbed the same man by the neck. Both men were ejected. May 12th, Tucson, Arizona school district employee was arrested by the FBI for sending several death threats to Martha McSally. May 21st, Florida Representative Ted Yoho described his office getting vandalized by protesters. Uh, one of them promising, next time I see you, I'm going to beat your fucking ass. Oh, that's so, that they really care about people. You're right, Joy Reid. June 14th, Senators Rand Paul, Flake, Scalise, Brady, Bishop, Conway, the whole list gets shot at. Remember that? I don't know. They don't seem to. June 17th, Missouri Rep. Ann Wagner revealed that she'd gotten five death threats. We covered it on the show. 22nd, Ohio man was arrested for leaving a voicemail threatening the life and family of Steve Strivers. We're coming to get every goddamn one of you and your families. Maybe the next one taken down will be your daughter, huh? Or your wife. Or even you, the man said. Same day, Utah Representative Jason Chafees 
got a voicemail. I'm not going to read it. I'm just going to play it. I suggest you prepare for the battle, mother in the apocalypse. Because we're going to hook your down, bump a rope around your neck, and hang you from a lamppost. But I've already proved so many times on the podcast, the media doesn't see it. Here's a great one from, um, uh, believe this was, oh crap, I, I suck. I, I omitted the screenshot, but this is the title. Why does the far right hold a near monopoly on political violence? Studies show that most people across the political spectrum abhor it. So what might explain the disparity by Joshua Holland? That's a general consensus by left-leaning politicos and left-leaning uh, media. I'm going to play a tape as we go into our tweets of the day. This was prior to the election. These are Bernie bros. The same guy who went on a baseball field and the media quickly buried the fact that he shot people. Wasn't crazy, didn't have mental illness, he just was political. Yeah, these are the type of voicemails the DNC was getting after they got caught in WikiLeaks cooking an election. I I don't know why the media doesn't know this. Do they not want to know this? Oh, wait a minute, there's no, they just, they maybe they just couldn't find it, even though I could find it. But listen to these people prior to the advent of Trump. Why wouldn't we think they'd be crazy now? You fucking stupid bitch. What the hell are you doing? You're a fucking corrupt bitch. That is so fucking wrong. You should be ashamed and disgraced. You need to step down from that position because you are bad for America and bad for the Democratic Party. That was fucking bullshit today. You need to step down. You're a disgrace. Roberta, you know, thousands of people watched what you did tonight at the convention. If you don't think that that's coming back to bite you in the ass, you have got another thing coming. Hi, Roberta Lane. This is a citizen of the United States of America, and I just wanted to let you know that I think people like you should be hung in a public execution to show this world that we won't stand for this sort of corruption. I don't know what kind of money they're paying for you, but I don't know how you sleep at night. You are a sick, twisted piece of shit, and I hope you'll burn for this. And you can return my call at 619-838-9222. I'd love to go into further detail with you about this. It's just the right. Just like Obama always said with Muslims. It's not the Muslims. The Muslims don't do anything wrong. Christians in the Crusades. Yes, that's the problem. To the tweets of the day. Cecil Richard, the Senate just released a version of Trump Care. No surprise. It defunds Planned Parenthood and threatens care for millions of America. 
I literally heard a soundbite, but I couldn't get it, of some politician saying something like, 100,000 people are going to die. They're just going to die. She then tweeted, slashing Medicaid and blocking millions for getting care of PP will be devastating. They call that better care and peace signs, which I don't get. Trump care would strip insurance from millions, force moms back to work shortly after giving birth and reduce access to birth control. And better care is the idea of the bill with heart. Women would have fear struck in theirs. Call your center now. Here's a number. Momo, a woman. Seriously, you made 957k last year. You don't care about women. You care about getting paid. Hail Razor. You just donated a million bucks to a congressional candidate. Raise your own money. Then Vox tweeted Pocahontas School Republican and take a listen. That's exactly what they said. That's exactly what it said. She schools Republicans. And it's basically, I don't know if it's have to come down here and tell you what Planned Parenthood does. And I was going to play it, but I'm not going to play it. I'm not playing her. I'm freaking sick of her. Okay, you twisted my arm. Here's Pocahontas. I am sick of coming down to the Senate floor to explain to Republicans what Planned Parenthood does. I am sick of explaining that it provides millions of women with birth control, cancer screenings, and STI tests every year. I am sick of pointing out again and again that federal dollars do not fund abortion services at Planned Parenthood or anywhere else. Ryan called this mean bill pro-life, but this is just the biggest political play of all. Calling something pro-life won't keep women from dying in back alley abortions. It won't help women pay for the cancer screenings that could save their lives. The pro-life label is the Republicans playing politics with women's lives. Here's the problem. I'm doing a whole segment, boys and girls, in tomorrow's podcast because Planned Parenthood released their numbers. I want all of you as your homework before you come. You know it's going to be an outlandish amount of abortions, which are argued off as, oh, that's walled off. I want you to research what an emergency contraceptive kit is. Look it up. Because when we add the number... Because you'll find out what it is. We're paying for abortions. And they're donating a shitload to Democrats. And they're making a lot of money, folks. It's a scary amount of money that they make. They don't need our money. They would still be sitting on a shit ton of money. So that is why I put it there. This lady was on a, a, a professor claims public lynching. After being suspended from a Tucker Carlson program, all right? And I'm going to play this. She then compared herself to being raped or some shit. But I didn't hear about this. But here's a soundbite. 
Well, two weeks ago, we had a pretty spirited conversation with Essex County College Professor Lisa Durden on this show. She was here to defend a Memorial Day party that banned white people from attending. Here's a point of view. Who, who, you white people are angry because you couldn't use your white privilege card whoa, whoa, to get invited Lisa. to the Black Lives Matters All Black Memorial Day celebration. This particular day, they said, stay your asses out. We want to oh. celebrate today. We don't want anybody going against us today. And you can't celebrate if someone who doesn't look like you is around? Yes, you can, but you can you're also demented, say, I don't want actually. to do it. It's a personal you're choice. Sick. And what you're saying is disgusting. And if you were a Nazi, I would say oh. the same thing to you. Well, that had consequences. According to Lisa Durden, officials at the school she worked at indefinitely suspended her following her appearance on this show. In her words, quote, Essex County College publicly lynched me in front of my students. Well, you'll almost never hear us applaud the firing of anyone on this show. We've been unemployed, and we're never for squelching viewpoints, no matter how crazy they are. But again, my gosh, this woman taught kids. It's insane. Yeah, I think it's pretty good on the college. You don't see that a lot, because now she's saying she was a rape victim. I mean, I, I just thought I, I had to put that in the tweets, because that's where I found it, because I thought it was fantastic. Gretchen in Oklahoma, just in, Russian President Putin is accused of making it rain harder on damn majority area of Georgia 6 on Election Day. It was harder there than on the GOP area. <laughs> Sean Spicer, the fake one, John Sean Spicier, liberals being illegal in this country is not a crime. Also, liberals Otto Wambier shouldn't should have respected other countries' laws. <laughs> That's freaking fantastic. Francesca Florianti, let's not equate left and right wing rage. Right wing rage gave us the KKK. Left wing rage gave us the weekend. John Davis tweeted her back. The KKK was formed by the DNC. So, basically, they gave us both of them. <laughs> CNN actually tweeted this. I'm not going to read the article, but, oh my God. If the Republicans' alternative to Obamacare becomes law, this mom says she'll drive to Mexico for birth control. Hail Razor won the internet with, or she could just go to Walgreens. <laughs> Paris wants a wall. Seattle learned raising the minimum wage costs jobs. Venezuela is on fire, but liberal policies will work next time was his second awesome tweet. And we'll cover that in our stats of the day. Interesting about uh, Washington. Yeah, it's very interesting. But our tweet of the day is going to go to Roseanne Barr. I, I can't wait for a show to come out. And it's so amazing, you know, if you really look at this, and I know I've talked about the show, but I always have to make the point when we're talking about Roseanne. Back in the 90s, she was on the cutting edge of liberalism. I mean, she had gay people on her show. She she lost ratings for it for a while, but she pushed it. But now she doesn't even understand current liberalism. She stares at it, like, what the frick is wrong with you people? So she did two tweets and got killed for it. First one, I'm guilty of loving my country. And that's true on the left. If you love your country, you're a piece of shit. Her second one, though, is why I gave her the tweet of the day. It's very simple. America equals women's equality.
tweet of the day! Yes, she's spot on. To our hate tweets, Alyssa Milano, here are the Republicans who wrote the Senate health care bill. Very, very white men. The entire world pretty much tweeted her the following. So was Ostoff. <laughs> I love it. <sighs> Jesse Bernie, Trump and the Republicans want to pass a bill that would kill far more Americans than ISIS and Al-Qaeda could ever dream about. That's literally what he said. Same liberal claiming right-wing rhetoric caused violence are literally calling Republicans Islamic terrorists. Yeah. Hillary Clinton, forget death panels. Republican passed this bill. They're the death party. Guy Benson, while attacking Republicans, you downplay the Virginia scandal wherein government abuse actively and literally led to deaths. Which is true. Mediate. Senator Tom Cotton, intern, calls British faggot and Paul Ryan a cook. An audio recording. Somebody actually beat me to the punch. Who cares what an intern says? Literally dozens of them rotate through Senate's office. This shouldn't be news. But if you look at the headline, I was you know, really debating, is this hate or is this just bias? It's harder you look at the real headline if it's about the intern. It, it looks like... He said it to an intern, and I think they did that on purpose. Um, but that's just bullshit. HuffPost politics. Reminder, a win for a woman doesn't always mean a win for a woman. And they have this picture. It is past time for the racially oppressed to do what people who believe themselves to be white will not do. Put end to the vectors of the destructive methodology of whiteness and their white supremacy system. I'm fed up. With self-identified white daily violence directed at immigrants, Muslims, and sexually repa- r- racially oppressed people, the time is now to confront these inhuman assholes and end this now. Yeah, that's what they said. So, when a woman wins, it doesn't mean a woman, and they were vectoring this towards handle winning, which somehow doesn't surprise me. Keith Olbermann, it's great. So get to vote for your impeachment. That was his reply to Trump, who said she won. It's always impeachment or jail with bathtub boy. If you notice, I can't even play a sound bites anymore because I just fucking dribble. Can't do it. Here's the RNC. I, 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 I just think this is so funny. The Democrats lose this seat. It's going to be really fascinating to see what happens. If indeed they fall short here, again, a district that is not home turf to them, but they put everything into it. It's better to win than to lose. Democrats have tried and tried and tried to break the nut that Republicans have held on Congress. If they spend this much money and they don't come through this time, that's going to hurt. It would be embarrassing for Democrats uh, because they've poured so much money into this election. They can't win in this environment. In what environment can they win? They failed in Montana. Now they would have failed in Georgia. That would take the wind out of the sails. We're going to start moving into a conversation uh, about bellyaching in the Democratic Party about what, what went wrong here and how to run in the Trump era because they clearly, if they fall short here, have not figured that out yet. Republican Karen Handel has defeated Democrat John Ossoff. The most expensive House race in history is ending with the Republican winning. I commended her 
on a hard-fought race and on her victory this evening. This is sobering for Democrats. It's pretty depressing. This is going to be a demoralizing blow for them, that they have still not figured out a message that works. And they're also going to have to do a better job of recruiting candidates. Very disappointing night for the Democrats. The bottom line is, they were wrong. And so this is going to be a huge, huge morale buster for Democrats. This is an unmitigated disaster for the Democrats. That's a lot of hate, but I think they deserve it to an expect to, to an extent. I, I just really do. When you look at all the crooked shit that's going on, how Democrats are doing stuff, the following mother flipper of the day. You know what? I put it in the hate because the RNC is gloating, but they deserve to gloat. This was a done deal back when the the primary was done. They literally said he won by such a big percentage. There's no way. This is a referendum on Trump. And Trump won't be able to do this. And when we start finding out the whole cabal, including the media, which we're about to tiptoe into the tulips with, in regards to Russia, yeah. Yeah. They deserve it. Here's uh, Jill Flipovic, fucking bitch Nick. I call her bitch Nick. It's sexist. She deserves it. Here's what she wrote. At what point is this not a failure of Democrats, but toxic, vindictive voters willing to elect hateful bigots? I know it's more convenient to blame the party for just not convincing people, but what kind of people vote for candidates like Handel and Trump? At some point, we have to be willing to say that, yes, lots of conservative voters are hateful and willing to embrace bigots. Some are even motivated by bigotry. It's the bigotry that speaks to them. There's no winning. If Dems keep their soul, maybe instead of trying to convince hateful white people, Dems should convince our base, people of color, women, to turn out and cater to them. That was her object lesson for the Georgia Six. She's a white woman. I don't think she understands that. She might think she's some kind of ethnicity, or that woman makes her a minority. Well, she does because she's a you know, a feminist. That is a major part of the Democratic Party. When a woman won, not some white old dude, a woman beat your candidate, it's all those bigots. So since we're still stuck in the basket of deplorables, I am now going to hand you off to Samuel L. Jackson.
Hypocrisy! Then why is CNN constantly like, Russia this, Russia that? Because it's ratings. Because it's ratings? Our ratings are incredible right now. But honestly, you'd, you'd think the whole Russia shit is just like bullshit. Could be bullshit. I mean, we, it's mostly bullshit right now. Like, we don't have any big giant proof. I just feel like they don't really have it, but they, they want to keep digging. Mm-hmm. And so I think the president is probably right to say, like, look, you are witch hunting me. Like, you have no smoking gun. You have no real proof. And the CEO of CNN said in our internal meeting, he said, good job, everybody, covering the climate accords. But we're done with it. Let's get back to Russia. <laughs> the why CNN constantly, like, Russia this, Russia that? Because it's ratings. But honestly, you'd... You think the whole Russia shit is just like bullshit. It's mostly bullshit right now. Like, we don't have any big giant proof. You know, I've got to give you a can question. You stay, can you stay categorical? You are fake news. Because of the attack of fake news and, and uh, attacking our network, I, I just want to ask you, sir. I'm changing it from fake news, though. D- doesn't that under Very fake news. I know, but aren't you... Even if Russia was trying to swing an election, I, we try to swing their elections. We're in our CIA and doing shit all the time. Fake news. We start our American Pravda investigations inside America's media with part one. CNN. Our goal is to expose the real motivations behind the decision-making process at our dominant media corporations. Fake news. One story has monopolized President Trump's time in office like no other, especially on CNN. Russia. In fact, since the inauguration, CNN has mentioned Russia on their air nearly 16,000 times. So we sent our undercover reporters inside CNN to understand why and to determine if CNN even believes that the story is even real. You're not going to believe what you're about to hear, or maybe you will. I'd like to introduce you to CNN supervising producer John Bonifield in Atlanta. So you believe like the Russia thing is a little crazy, right? Even if Russia was trying to swing an election, I, we try to swing their elections. We're in our CIA and doing shit all the time. Like we're out there trying to manipulate governments. Like you win because you know the you you, you know the game and you play it right. She didn't play it right. Then why CNN constantly like Russia this, Russia that? Because it's ratings. Because it's ratings. Our ratings are incredible right now. In the month of May, CNN's ratings were significantly higher than they were the year before. The Russia story and Trump have made CNN millions. Because of... Uh... Yeah, I... So, my boss... I shouldn't say this. My boss, a couple days yesterday, we were having a discussion about this dental shoot. And he goes, he's like, I just want you to know what we're up against here. And he goes, just to give you some context, President Trump pulled out of the climate accords... And for a day and a half, we covered the climate accords, and the CEO of CNN said in our internal meeting, he said, good job, everybody, covering the climate accords, but we're done with it. Let's get back to Russia. <laughs> the, the CEO? Yeah. Oh, my God. So, 
So even the climate accords, he was like, okay, a day or so, but we're, we're moving back to Russia. Bonafield says CNN's CEO Jeff Zucker demanded that his news channel get back to the ratings winner that Russia is for CNN. Was that an editorial call or a business call? So it's, I mean, I understand, it's all ratings, right? Oh, it's a business. It's a business. People are like, the media has like an ethical... But all the nice, cutesy little ethics that used to get talked about in journalism school, you're just like, that's adorable. (laughs) That's adorable. (laughs) Especially cable news, you know. Cable news isn't the New York Times, and it's not. It's not even like NBC News. It's, it's. I mean, NBC News still gets 20 million viewers a night. Cable news is getting a million. So, um, like they gotta, they gotta do what they gotta do to make their money. I think. And so I love the I love the news business, but I I find it so I'm very cynical about it. At the same time, so are most of my colleagues. <laughs> yeah, it's like I'm not alone. Bonafield has worked for CNN as a journalist and producer for nearly 15 years. He not only gave us a tour of CNN's main newsroom, he gave us a window into the editorial bias and anti-Trump agenda of the organization. I think that there are a lot of like liberal CNN viewers who want to see Trump really get scrutinized and I think if we would have behaved that way with President Obama and scrutinized everything that he was doing with as much scrutiny as we applied to Donald Trump, I think our viewers would have been turned off. I think they would have thought it's like we were attacking him. But um, I think our viewers right now, and I'm not saying all of our viewers are like super liberals, I think there's just a lot of them. And so, so Trump's good for business, you're saying? Trump is good for business right now. But honestly, you'd, you'd think the whole Russia shit is just like bullshit. Could be bullshit. I mean, we, it's mostly bullshit right now. Like, we don't have any big giant proof. But then they say, well, there's still an investigation going on. And you're like, yeah. I don't know. If you were finding something, you would we'd know about it. The way these leaks happen, they leak it. It leaked. If there was something really good, it would leak. Yeah. It would have leaked before uh, voting, I would say. Well, if, 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 if anything was good out there, it would have came out already. Yeah, the leaks keep leaking, and there's so many great leaks, and it's amazing. And I just refuse to believe that if they had something really good like that, that, that wouldn't leak, because we've been getting all these other leaks. So I just feel like they don't really have it, but they, they want to keep digging. Mm-hmm. And so I think the president is probably right to say, like, look, you are witch hunting me. Like, you have no smoking gun. You have no real proof. No real proof, he says. And that speaks volumes about today's mainstream media. Bonafield says CNN loves the Russia story, not because it's true, but because people want it to be true. They're feeding their audience a false narrative in order to get ratings. Their enthusiasm to report false news is getting the better of them. On Saturday, CNN imposed strict internal restrictions on all future Russia stories after they had to delete and retract a story that was poorly sourced. And yesterday, three CNN staffers resigned, victims of fake news. So where does that leave us? The American people are fed up with fake news. 
and the mainstream media, they cannot trust. It's corporate greed, market pressures, managers without integrity, newsroom bosses without courage, journalists who don't even leave their desks. The very purpose of journalism is to expose the world for what it is, not to create false political narratives in order to make money. The American people are frustrated because they have nowhere left to go to get actual information. This is just part one of the CNN series. We have so much more that we will bring you on video as our American Pravda investigations continue. Every dishonest television network, newspaper, and social media company is now on notice. You're being watched. We're coming after you. And while the whole broken, rotten media machine may not come tumbling down, Maybe they'll wake up. Yeah, we're in a hypocrisy, as you know, and that is Project Veritas, American Pravda. CNN ratings are incredible right now. President Trump is good business. John Bonfield, CNN producer, says Russia narrative, mostly bullshit right now. Get back to Russia, says CEO Jeff Zucker. President Trump is real, is right about witch hunt. No real proof. Comey in wake of CNN's Russiagate retraction, a new rules on Russia coverage. I mean, it's mostly bullshit right now, Bonifield said, like we don't have any giant proof. And you heard the rest. I'm not going to read it to you. You're smart people. Of course, the left and the media is going to say that was doctored, edited, all that crap. Just played you about eight minutes, folks. That is a senior producer. Senior producer. They're just going for ratings. It's all bullshit. From now on, I'm going to keep that video. I'm just going to keep playing that video. Because you're not going to hear it anywhere else unless you look for it. Because they don't care. Every time you turn around, there's nothing to Russia. There's nothing to Russia. It's all bullshit. But CNN's pushing it because it's good for their ratings. We do not have a free press. Bernie Sanders, here's a crazy idea. We should join the rest of the world and guarantee health care to all rather than take it away from 23 million people. Peter King decided to say, there's no real reason we shouldn't, and he got dick slapped all over the place. All over the place. Stick to sports is the only tweet I'm going to read. <laughs> he got killed. But that goes back to the new new listeners. ESPN, all the news. Now, all the news is liberal. It's just liberal. It is so bad. You can't even watch ESPN without some kind of stupid-ass coverage. And I know he's from SI, and he does Money Maury Korvac, and I love the guy, but sweet Jesus. Come on. Stick to sports. I, only stats I want to hear about you or opinion is about how my Packers are going to be. Other than that, shut the hell up. Peggy Noonan, sorry to get a drink. Remarked on the hate of Trump. Here's a theory on what they're thinking. They're thinking attempts at fairness and balance as this charged atmosphere get them nowhere. They're attacked by both sides. And anyway, they think Mr. Trump is insane. They live on ratings which deteriorate, determine advertising rates. Hillary Clinton got 2.9 voters 
2.9 million votes more than Trump, so the anti-Trump audience is larger. Moreover, people who oppose Mr. Trump tend to be more fluent, more educated, more urban. They're more liberal, of course, and they're younger. They're a desirable demographic, and that's why the media is so biased. Yeah. Yeah. She's a major player, and she nailed it. It's just ratings. They're banking on the 2.9 million, even though the 2.9 million is fucking California. They don't realize, if you look across the country, most of us are turning the TV off, including yours truly. I get my internet news. I, I can't even watch the news anymore. Matthew Dowd gets in our hypocrisy again. My faith in humanity teaches me that leaders must ask themselves, are my decisions helping or hurting the most vulnerable? We need to help. Hmm. Then he spent the rest of that thread trying to say he's an independent. Everybody's saying, yeah, you're not. Iger Bobic, Bon Jovi just walked by the Senate. He did not respond to questions about the GOP health care bill. That's a fucking reporter. Somebody asked him, why would I ask Bon Jovi about the bill? What does Bon Jovi have to tell me? PolitiFact, White House tweet wrongly says Obamacare led to fewer insurance options. Most of the threat is you all are jackasses. You're just jackasses. You're not a political fact. You're just a a freaking lemming for the left. Because Andrew Wagner summed it up. Millions of Americans and counties with one or zero insurance options probably disagree. PolitiFact, you're a joke. And they're right. Joy Reid makes it. Nice little thing here we got from, I'm just going to read the heading. This is from MRC because it's very long, but I think this kind of sums her up in a, a nutshell. And once again, this is from MRC. Her crass career of attacking conservatives. MSDNC's Joy Reid couldn't keep from politicizing the trazies. She took a cheap shot at Congressman Record on June 17th. The host of AM Joy tweeted, Representative Scalise was shot by a white man with a vile background saved by a black lesbian officer. She then accompanied this tweet with a graphic of what were, in her view, as political offenses. Steve Scalise's record, co-sponsored bill to amend constitution, divine marriage between a man and a woman, voted for GOP house health care bill, co-sponsored bill to repeal ban on semiotic weapons. Problem with that one, once again, I just want to make sure everybody understands, because you might forget things and the media doesn't ever do anything to, to mean or tarnish a Democrat. Uh, folks, Hillary and her husband voted for man and a woman. Uh, Obama, uh, I think he abstained and didn't vote, uh, but he evolved also. Later that morning on her MSDNC show, she disgustedly brought up a debunked charge that Scalise attended a white national event and continued her trashing of the congressman's record. Steve Scalise has a history of all enforced sort of ignore on race. He did some leadership. We played it. Sadly, Reed's inability to put her leftist agenda aside, even when Congressman was in the hospital, is reflective of her MSDNC career. After Fox CEO Roger Ailes passed away, Reed tweeted on May 18th that his main legacy be telling a generation of conservatives that the deepest fears were real and their crudest fantasies were valid. During the 2016 campaign, Reed attacked Trump and his supporters as racist while praising Hillary Clinton on the most qualified candidate since Thomas Jefferson and Quincy, John Quincy Adams. You know, I remarked about how many times she said that. I think it was just a lying, though. I don't think she actually believed it because she believes Barack Obama is the greatest president ever. And during the Barack Obama administration, Reed condemned GOP opposition to Obamacare. She claimed the Republican Party was asking you to essentially kill yourself before a current stint of hosting 
A.M. Joy, Reed had a long history of liberal activism. In 2004, she was a Florida Deputy Communication Director for the progressive group American Coming Together. She was a press aide in Florida for Obama in 08. From 2011 to 14, she was managing editor of NBC News owned The Grio, which is a racist publication that says white people are pieces of shit, and an MSDNC contributor from 11 to 14. And in February 2014 to February 2015, she was host of MSDNC's The Reed Report. The following are just some of the most atrocious outbursts, she has said. I'll just read the headings. Trump voters thought he was only good going to hurt the brown people. America switched place with Nazi Germany. Fraud concerns a racist code. GOP convention speeches full of angry racism. Hillary most qualified candidate since Jefferson. We already heard it. Uh, let's see. Beware of the six Catholic justices. She dog Catholicism. Racially ugly GOP refusing to add more brown people. Conservatives hating on monster Obama. GOP asking you to kill yourself. And it goes on. I'm not going to read anymore, but that was our little hit on Reed. I was going to do a longer segment on it tomorrow's show, but god dang, what's the point? NPR bewails British media hate that fueled anti-Muslim attack in London. I'm not going to read the article. I just wanted you to see that liberals everywhere are fucking stupid. They're just stupid. New York Times reporter calls out CNN's biased coverage of Georgia race. In a rare display of media self-awareness, New York Times investigated... Investigative reporter Eric Lipton called out CNN coverage of the nationally covered special election of Georgia's 6th Congressional District. You know, I think that hits a very valid point. In the age of Trump and liberalism in our media at an all-time high, can you believe we covered that? That was a local race. It was like a national race. I mean, if you turn on TV, it didn't matter. Unless it was Russia... You didn't, you didn't see it. They were just covering Ostoff and talking about how there's a referendum on Trump. Criticizing the journalist standards, Lipton tweeted on June 10 article from CNN citing a poll estimating a seven point lead for Ostoff over Karen Handel. Looks like we have more evidence of polling is flawed and reporters need to stop relying on it to shape coverage, he said. The poll released by the Atlanta Journal Constitution asserted Ostoff was favored by 13% of Republican voters, among other fantastical metrics suggesting a substantive Ostoff victory. He then hits the most important point about everything with CNN. CNN diligently broke this story as national news, despite its clear weakness. The poll failed to report the number of likely voters included in the survey. The poll also did not reflect the polling landscape at the time of its release. WSB-TV Landmark Communication conducted two polls, close to one circulated nationally, the first less than two weeks prior, predicting the election within the margin of error. The second released a day before the the Atlanta Journal-Constitution poll had the same result. Additionally, 11 Alive survey USA poll released just day after the article's publication had both candidates in a dead heat. The implication of CNN's article go beyond a mere polling miss or general polling inaccuracy. Rather, they speak to CNN and other media's selective reliance on polls to frame elections as inevitable victories for liberal candidates. Goes on to prove that that's what they did during Hillary, Obama, Everything. For me, 
during the election season, I, I harped on this a lot, and I truly believe it. I think they do that because it brainwashes people and it suppresses vote. See, in, in their mind, because they're progressives, they believe Republicans have gerrymandered everything, and they go to black people's houses and they don't let them vote. They believe that's what it is. They believe an ID card is a voter suppression tactic, when most of the country just sees it as a way to people not to vote multiple times, which is what Democrats want to do. But when, when you really break it down, and you talk about it a lot, maybe people won't go out and vote. I think that's their theory, that, you know, you just keep on saying it's inevitable. I think it's to do with the Hillary, and it just pissed people off. I think it actually did the opposite, as I talked about once on the show, right after the election. You know, I think it actually made people vote. Because they're like, oh, fucking hell no. I don't want Hillary. I don't like Trump, but I don't, I don't want Hillary. I don't want motivated me. Newsweek. California extends its travel ban over LGBT rights to Texas, Kentucky, and more states. A travel ban for state workers. Really. Yeah. Pretty interesting. This one's an hypocrisy on general freedom of speech. And the only reason I put it in here, this is soon to happen in America. I don't care what you think of me. You can think I have a tinfoil hat. If Democrats control Senate, House, and the presidency someday, this is where we're going. This is from London, Sussex Police. This man used Facebook to express his hatred for Muslims and has gone to prison. We stand together against hate crimes. went to prison put him in prison for saying something against media yeah pretty scary got a media bash it's a large segment today because remember we're not doing this tomorrow so this is going to be a long front opening but you're not going to have it tomorrow tomorrow's just going to be stories kind of doing a two-part podcast cnn brings on extreme leftists like vox ezra klein to bash ahca with no opposing views which is the normal on cnn wapo reporter admits they enjoy compiling anti-trump world leader mocking trump statements elise jordan likening the president to a suicide bomber msdnc ryan's monster bill and chuck toad i have no freaking clue what the hell he's trying to say and this gibbery jew the core of what their bill does in both the uh, house form and from what we can tell in the senate form is it takes hundreds of billions of dollars currently being spent to give health insurance to poor people and moves it to give tax cuts to rich people but the one final point i want to make on this when you see senator mccain make jokes like this there are a lot of republicans right now in the senate saying oh it's a terrible process i don't support it i share your frustration three republicans three could say, we're not going to vote for this bill if we don't have an open process, then the bill would fail without an open process. So until they actually put their money where their mouth is, mm. I don't take these jokes as worth very much. And near as I could tell, the best way I could describe it is we're going to get something uh, like a Frankenstein monster of health care. Uh, this is going to be something that very few can love. Uh, it's going to end Medicaid as we know it. Go to the main proposition of those who are in favor of this. You have two big prongs, right? Or add to it, correct this uh, premise. One is uh, government should get out of it. It's too expensive. Two is they say that this is going to bring down my premiums in the individual market. So that's good for me. Let the poor people figure it out a different way. Mm. which is, of course, a window into why it's all being done so secretively. Mm. But that's why we need gentlemen like you put some light on the situation, and then when the vote happens, then comes the heat. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. Our- we don't want other leaders and other countries laughing at us anymore, and they won't be. They won't be.
I was elected to represent the citizens of Pittsburgh, not Paris. Well, as a Washington Post headline puts it, quote, Trump said foreign leaders wouldn't laugh at the U.S. Now they're laughing at him. Among the evidence they cite, this recording of the Australian Prime Minister, which just recently became public. The Donald and I, we are winning and winning in the world. <laughs> Back, back with me is Ann Guerin, national politics correspondent with the Washington Post, who shares a byline on this piece. Ann, I was also reminded it got physical at NATO with uh, what we love to call the Montenegro Heisman, as the president was trying to get out front near the cameras. Um, how bad is this? And speaking of the base, I am guessing if we call the base 36, 38 percent, they're not losing a whole heck of a lot of sleep over this. Yeah, certainly not the base I heard from today. Um, <laughs> they, uh, uh, lots of people uh, or Trump supporters were were uh, uh, upset by by this article. But my colleague David Nakamura and I were were having a, a little bit of fun, uh, kind of going through some of the recent examples of uh, world leaders who uh, either feel free to to mock Trump uh, in in public or or behind, uh, as the Australian happened with the Australian Prime Minister. Uh, behind what he thought uh, uh, were closed doors. Um, it's a rather remarkable spectacle. Uh, we certainly, every uh, world leader, um, President, former President Obama and, and, and other world leaders included, uh, come in for their share of, of, of mocking uh, at home and sometimes abroad. Uh, but the level of it and, and the, the personal aspect of it uh, with Trump is, is something a bit new. Um, and it's definitely something that we see picking up uh, just in uh, certainly around the NATO meeting there was a good bit of it uh, and and since uh, around the climate uh, the Paris climate agreement ago uh, hit us with two more tweets with all the recently reported electronic surveillance intercepts unmasking and illegal uh, leaking of information I have no idea whether there are tapes or recordings of my conversations with James Comey, but I did not make and do not have any such recordings. Earlier in the broadcast, I said bluff. I said the president was bluffing. I, I may have been uh, perhaps too fair. It would seem as if the president may have been lying all along about the existence of these tapes. No, he's just wasting. He wasted the country's collective time speculating over, over whether these tapes existed or not. It's a sad day when you cannot depend on the president's word and you know, my advice would just be to Republicans who do cozy up to him. It's just like hugging a suicide bomber. He blows you up in the process with him. It's like hugging us. That's a little strong, at least. Yeah, I mean, it's this is not. I mean, look at what if you go out on a limb, if you're a Republican who went out on a limb and defended Donald Trump over saying, well, he's got tapes that are going to back up his point of view. You just got blown up, too. And Gary, Joan, you've been covering the health care battles for seven plus years. I, I wonder what you're thinking. I'm thinking, what the hell kind of a country are we? 
Ari, that Michael has to lose sleep wondering if he can stay in his home with his family. I mean, what is this family supposed to do? Paul Ryan has been dreaming about cutting this program since he was sitting, hanging out at Keggers in college. He's told that story. What kind of That's, a man is he? What kind of a monster is he? Who dreams of cutting Medicaid? They act like people are merely takers. Mm -hmm. They don't act like they understand hardship of any kind. Paul Ryan, who actually got Social Security as a survivor when his father died, God bless him. I mean, the cruelty, Karen uses that word, it's the only word we can use, the cruelty of this bill is beyond belief. And if Donald Trump is really going to go along with this, don't like the man, didn't vote for him, but he promised not to do this. There has to be a way to reach the consciences of multiple Republicans on this bill, and I think you've begun to do that tonight. Well, Thank you, Karen and, and Michael. Yeah. And, and Nancy, how about that? Because when we listened to Mike uh, and he told us that he's been scared since the election, obviously he's listened and analyzed and done his own work. Uh, we, we heard from a candidate, and we played it earlier this hour, who said on, on the facts, on the record, that he wasn't going to cut Medicaid, right. although that's clearly what this bill does. Right. So obviously something's come through here between the promises the president made and, and what is in this health care bill. I... I'm so overwhelmed that Mike and Karen, I don't even really know what to say. I mean, for starters, that anybody could think the kind of care that he gets and that his mom supports him in getting is a luxury and not something that is his right as a human being. I just find appalling. Um, I... I, I, I echo what Joan said. I, I just, I'm, I'm really confused about what kind of country we are. We're, we're, we're revealed by how we treat our most vulnerable citizens. And that an inefficient system that profits some people could mean that an earned right, not a, you know, not a gift. I mean, Medicaid and Social Security, they're not gifts. They're, they're, these are things that we earn, that something like that could be denied someone like Mike who has thrived and used it and is able to express himself to, to not have a chance for his voice to be expressed is just criminal. It's criminal. Just go to this story. There was a Washington Post story this week that said the Obama administration soft-pedaled its response to Russian meddling because it didn't want to be seen as putting its thumb on the scale of this election. What's the impact of that story and all this stew of Russia? Well, look, talk about making your head spin. I mean, for the very reason, here's President Trump criticizing former President Obama for not doing anything. Well, at the time that they got this, um, this intelligence, candidate Donald Trump was telling everybody that this election was going to get rigged uh, in, in favor of Hillary Clinton. And that was the atmosphere that the Obama administration was dealing with publicly when they got this uh, intelligence. So we, we understand the reason why they did this. In hindsight, though, they're clearly, a bunch of Obama White House folks are clearly hand-wringing about this, that, that line, I'm never going to get over, you know, we choked. Right. Uh, that is something. Look, this could be, Willie, what the infamous August 6th president, presidential uh, intelligence daily briefing, bin Laden determined to strike U.S. before 9-11. This may be the equivalent in history on this Russian uh, infiltration of the American democracy. We may go back and say this was the equivalent of that. The Obama administration had the intelligence, mm -hmm. had the smoking gun, 
and decided to pull back for fear of politicizing the election. And as you say, we're... On some level, can we construe this as political, why the White House would want to put this information out? Because if you remember, the President Trump's reaction to Syria was a huge win for him that got bipartisan support across the board. And here we are at a, at a, at a very difficult moment with a possible vote on the health care bill that the President kind of seems to want to distance himself from. Is releasing this kind of information a political move? The problem is, who can differentiate what's political and what's a national security threat because this White House has such a credibility gap? And this is the problem with a White House that flagrantly lies so frequently that we don't know when they are telling the truth and when we should be genuinely concerned. This is wag the dog. I mean, I, I'm sorry, but the, the Pentagon, even last time when they shipped the, shipped the 59 Tomahawk missiles, there was much more specificity. This seems really vague. They're not clear. They're saying they're preparing to think about possibly having a committee to release chemical weapons. We need more. So it just it screams wag the dog. It screams politics to me. It doesn't seem like a national security issue yet. And today the president is, is screaming about fake news. Elise, let's talk about these tapes here for a moment. You might remember that the President of the United States tweeted a while back, quote, James Comey, better hope there are no tapes. And then the President, uh, just a few minutes ago, uh, hit us with two more tweets. With all the recently reported electronic surveillance intercepts, unmasking and illegal uh, leaking of information, I have no idea whether there are tapes or recordings of my conversations with James Comey, but I did not make and do not have any such recordings. Earlier in the broadcast, I said bluff. I said the president was bluffing. I, I may have been uh, perhaps too fair. It would seem as if the president may have been lying all along about the existence of these tapes. No, he's just wasting. He wasted the country's collective time speculating over, over whether these tapes existed or not. It's a sad day when you cannot depend on the president's word and you know, my advice would just be to Republicans who do cozy up to him. It's just like hugging a suicide bomber. He blows you up in the process with him. It's like hugging us. That's a little strong, at least. Yeah, I mean, it's this is not. I mean, look at what if you go out on a limb, if you're a Republican who went out on a limb and defended Donald Trump over saying, well, he's got tapes that are going to back up his point of view. You just got blown up, too. And Garen, how uh, I, I folded in an MSDNC soundbite from today. There is a credible intelligence that the same hangar that has done chemical attacks in Syria has been witnessing much activity. So they're talking about doing something about it. And you heard the wag the dog theory. That was by an actual anchor on MSDNC that now he's going to do something about something that Obama watched while, you know, hundreds of thousands of people died. And now they're going to do that. And I played the Elise Jordan twice. Elise Jordan used to be a normal person. During the campaign, she was pretty level-headed. But that comment that the President of the United States is a suicide bomber has not sat well with a lot of people. That is pretty outside the bounds of normal, you know, decorum as a pundit. But the more you stay on MSNBC, the worse it gets. And we'll see more in a second. Media cries hate over Muslim girl killed by illegal alien in road rage. This thing went on all week and it's pretty much, you know, all over the internet. The fact is, they're not covering it as what it is. It wasn't a hate crime. He was illegal. They don't want to cover that. So they always go back to the white guy. So, you know, the white-looking person. Remember in Zimmerman, we had the white Latino. I didn't know that was classification. Christopher Hayes, just a reminder, there's a chance Kennedy announces retirement on Monday, paving the way for the end of Roe. 
Somebody replied back, as ridiculous as him, man, I picked the wrong week to quit huffing whiteboard markers. <laughs> Stephen Miller nailed Chuck Todd, who we heard that, I don't even know what he was trying to say. He's just such a liberal, I, I can't deal with it. Oh, weird. Chuck Todd has Bernie Sanders on and doesn't question him about being under FBI investigation. That's true, boys and girls. It's true. It's all over the place. That, they're, they're under investigation. The media is just ignoring it. It like it, it doesn't freaking exist. Haven't talked about Jim Acosta in a long time. Here's his angst. CNN, the White House has been prohibiting cameras and some press briefings, so we sent a sketch artist. That was their smart-ass reply to the president. But Jim Acosta wasn't good with that. The United States government will not be allowing camera coverage of today's White House briefing. Only studio audio. Embargoing until the end. This is not a campaign event. This is the White House. We're sitting in a briefing room full of cameras and taxpayer-funded spokesman at the podium. No cameras allowed at today's briefing. So here's our sock update. And when he was afforded the ability to ask a question... This is what this little freaking douche nozzle actually did. Jen, Jen, Sean, Sean, can you answer whether the president still believes the, the question? There's no camera on, Jim. Maybe we should turn the cameras on, Sean. Why don't we turn the cameras on? Jen, why don't we turn the cameras on? I'm sorry that you have to do Jen, go ahead. Why not turn the cameras on, Sean? They're in the room. The lights are on. Is it not true that there were tensions and some strain between the U.S. negotiators, which were Jared Kushner and Jason Greenblatt and the Palestinians? Is it not true that there were tensions? Olivia, do we have cameras on? President, hold the press for Sean. Sean Corker says he will use. That now we see you on camera about once a week. Is that a new normal that we would expect? We'll see. We're just we'll continue to mix things why up. Why are the cameras off? Sean? Try. Why are they? Why did you turn Try. them off? Can you just Try. give us an answer to that? Can Try. you tell us why you turned the cameras off? Why are they off? Sean? It is a legitimate it's a Try. legitimate question. Try. You are a taxpayer Try. spokesman for the United States government. Can you at least give us an explanation as to why the cameras are off? Can we get this out of the way? Can we address the cameras issue? Uh, do you think this yeah, will be- some days we'll have them, some days we won't. The president's going to speak today in the Rose Garden. Uh, I want the president's voice to carry the day. Uh, you know, uh, and I think, uh, you know, so, as I, look, this is nothing inconsistent with what we've said since day one. The guy's a fucking child. But so is his network. Climate change could lower the quality of your coffee as rising temperatures cause the bean to lose complex flavors. Are you fucking sick? Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? Oh! These people are freaking killing me. Uh, So before I go, you know what? I'm going to hold it. I'm going to play it. I found this. This is going to be real, and I'll I'll talk about it again, but it's actually real. Um, Morning Joe made an actual anti-Trump music video. Really. And we're going to play it after our stats today without a bumper. Here's some interesting stats. NBC News and Wall Street Journal, 50% of participants believe the media have favored people making allegations against Republican occupant in the White House. 34% think the media have been responsible. And 12 say the media has been too restrained. I'm assuming that, assuming, assuming, um, that, uh, those are the resistance. By a two-to-one margin, Americans say they are more likely to believe former director James Comey than Trump when it comes to the differing accounts of events. 45% of respondents say they are more likely to believe Comey's version of events from June 8th testimony 
Uh, additional 21% say they believe neither of them, which is not a good sign for America right now, to be quite honest. Another stat is how much have the media obsessed with the ongoing Russia investigation? An MRC study, MRC study of every broadcast network evening newscast in the five weeks since the appointment of special counselor, special counsel Robert Mueller on May 17th found a whopping 353 minutes of airtime devoted to Russia probe or 55% of all coverage of Trump presidency in those two weeks. And we just heard a senior CNN producer state that it's all bullshit. The network's relentless coverage of Russia means little airtime was spent on important policy topics as the investigation garnered 20 times more attention. 100 times more attention than the administration's push to improve the national infrastructure and a stunning 450 times more coverage than the tax reform. The study also found one-third of the network's Russia coverage is based on anonymous sources, some of which later proved erroneous. For this report, MRC analyzed, reviewed all 364 evening news stories totaling nearly 640 minutes that discussed Trump or other top administration officials. Of those, 246 were full reports focused solely on the administration. The rest were brief anchor red items or stories about other topics in there. Yeah. It's all bullshit. But that's what our media is. Fox Sports says Kaepernick tweet might doom his career. Fox Sports Radio Clay Travis says it's all over NFL strange Colin Kaepernick because of his recent tweet comparing modern police forces to runaway slave patrols. He put up a nice picture. Runaway slaves, police officer, always remember who they are. I hope that guy gets no, no job. None. 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 Big stat. Because I said it was bullshit at the time. Court dismisses bogus charges against David Delenin for exposing Planned Parenthood. They, none of it. Pro-abortion AG will refile bogus charges against David Delenin. That happened within two days. Nothing. Court said there was nothing. Then, the same AG, who once again is a Democrat, went back and refiled everything. So... Mark Hemingway, at what point does the political, the national media, excuse me, let me say, let me just read this in English. Mark Hemingway, at what point does the national media care that this is straight up political prosecution? Seth Mandel, zero. Zero point. Yeah, zero. Zero. They just don't care. Unbelievable. Because remember, 47% video came from California. It was okay for Romney, nobody sued. They show Planned Parenthood shit. Now it's against the law. Really? Okay. Foxconn plans U.S. display making plant for over $10 billion scouting for location. The world's largest contract electronics maker and a major Apple Incorporated supplier plans to invest more than $10 billion in a display making factory in the United States and will decide on the location in the next month. That is freaking, freaking awesome. That's awesome. It's good to hear. Media will ignore it. America gets older and more racially diverse. White Americans are the slowest growing ethnic group and will be a minority by 2040. We picked up three years because I remember back in Obama's time, by 2037, we were supposed to be extinct, right? 
or dead, or was that the oceans, or I don't know. Hero Sniper takes out ISIS fanatic in Iraq with incredible two-mile-long shot. This is supposedly confirmed with video. It was 11,300-foot-long shot. The, the next one was one by a British guy, 8120 feet. A Canadian, 7972. That was supposed to be during Operation Anaconda. 7578. And then the fifth best is 7545. He actually, this is adjusted with the curvature of the earth and how he had to shoot it. It would have been 11,300 feet. That's pretty bad freaking ass. That's just badass. George Clooney, you know the guy always running around saying the one percenters are pieces of shit. Tom's a piece of shit. GOP's a piece of shit. We well, just cashed out his tequila company for two hundred thirty-three million. Two hundred thirty-three million. Wow. I wonder if he'll donate that. Probably not. Josh Jordan tweets: "Here's a there's a reason you're the only losing candidate to actually drop in favorability post-election, and you are already historically low. Who's he talking to? Hillary Clinton has dropped one percent already." To favorability rating of 42. Meet Mitt Romney's at 50. He's gone up four since 2012. John McCain, 64. He's up 14. Al Gore, 56. He went up 10%. Bob Dole, 4%. George H.W. Bush has gone up 16%. He's the most ever. The Google fine we were talking about two podcasts ago. It's in, folks. 2.4 billion, or that's 2.7 billion U.S. That will put a mark in your saddle. Somehow I feel Google products are going to cost a lot more. We're going to start charging for Android. To the $15 an hour I was talking about in Seattle. The city of Seattle recently decided to establish a 15 per hour minimum wage to be implemented over time. The wage hasn't yet reached the level, and there's already problems. Seattle minimum wage hike seems to have reduced low-wage workers' earning by 15 a year. That's a NPR, an NPR ad, so they didn't really get into it. I found out some more stats from a news source. Everybody's received a 9% cut in hours since they established this. Wages are up 3%, but because you ain't getting the same amount of hours, you're actually down $125 a month. And guess who did it? No, it wasn't the Heritage Foundation. It was the University of Washington. So it took a week for a reporter from Fox to get anybody to talk to them from political leadership in Seattle. But when he got a response, it was pretty much uniforms fly, you know, unicorns flying a freaking rainbow flag and everything was okay. But it's not okay, and they're stalling the increases because it's hurting business. Just like anybody who actually paid attention in, in, in you know, economy class would actually you know, maybe pick that shit up. So, we're going to go to a break after an hour and 30 minute intro. Wow. It's been a week, folks. Work with me. This is Morning Joe's shitty ass song. On the other side, we're going to talk about a shitty ass mayor from Nashville, Tennessee.
so it might as well be today. Welcome back to Flyover Politic Podcast with Tony Reed. Yeah, that's like a nine-minute song, and I'm sorry I did that to you, but I wanted you to see the ego on that jackass. That is Joe Scarborough from Morning Joe. He did his own music video. It's anti-Trump. It is horrible. You should see it. Go find it. It's on the Facebook page of Morning Joe. It is atrocious. I cannot believe he actually did that. I can't believe Mika let him do it. I can't believe he believes that's music, but that is a major anchor on MSDNC. To local stuff. I rarely do local. Alright. I rarely ever do local. And because we didn't do an intro today, because I was too fired up on the Johnny Depp shit to actually talk about it, um, I, I, I have to do some kind of local occasionally. And so, this one's Megan Barry, the Nashville progressive mayor, and our segment two is actually Kids Who Kill. A brief one. So these are brief segments, but I noticed when I did a little playback that I never said anything. I went straight in. I was fired up today. So we didn't even talk about the show. I did it a la John Gibson, which I won't do tomorrow, but in, in honor of John Gibson, which I'll do a segment tomorrow, his podcast or his radio show goes off the air Friday. I've been listening since 2007. Um, he's one of the reasons why I do a podcast. And it's really sad to think that I'm not going to have John Gibson every day. I mean, I every day I listen to it. Usually the day after. I used to work out to it when I wasn't a fat sloth and my bath, back wasn't broken. And when I was driving, you know, I had to have Gibby. Um, it's a great show. But that's how he does the show. You know, most podcasts or most shows don't do an intro. I guess I kind of do it just so people will know what's there. And maybe you don't want to listen. You'll just shut it off. But today I got you. I just sucked you in. So here you are. And of late, there's been some crazy stuff going on in Nashville. Now, understand when I watch the, uh, the debates for the Nashville mayor, and even though I, you know, I don't live in Nashville, it's still our city. If you live in Tennessee, in the, you know, what's called Middle Tennessee, that's your city. And being it's the biggest city we have, we do spend a lot of time there, so we think of it as our city. She mopped the floor with the Republican. He had no answers. But when she did this, she wasn't uber liberal. But then Hillary started running and all this shit started coming out of her mouth and they put her on TV. And she turned into the normal Democratic far left progressive candidate. She was wearing Predator jerseys. But, oh, by the way, she didn't vote for it. She voted against as a city councilman. She wasn't even for the Predators, but now she was their number one fan. Um, and all of a sudden... Weird things started happening over time until the travel ban, which is now a thing, as we'll know tomorrow. We'll go in depth, and I'll get more information, because it just happened. But this is what she's saying. Nashville cops aren't immigration police. And as we play a little sound bites in this section, they're going to try to turn Nashville, Tennessee, into a sanctuary city. As President-elect Donald Trump vows to deport millions, two and three million undocumented immigrants who have committed crimes. National Mayor Megan Barry says she believes the local police force shouldn't be used to carry out federal immigration policy. Do not believe local resources should be used to enforce federal immigration administration administrative policies, Barry said in a statement that her office tweeted Wednesday. Our police officers 
are not immigration police. They do not ask about immigration status during stops or conversations with the public, nor do they intend to start now. I will continue to do whatever I can to ensure Nashville remains a warm and welcoming city that treats everyone with respect. Press Secretary Sean Basted said questions from the public and a reporter prompted the statement. In the weeks after Trump's election, Barry had sought to assure immigrants, minorities, women, gay, lesbians, transgender, and others, which that's the next classification they're going to come up with, the national remains open to them following an divisive campaign that include proposals from Trump rounding, roundly criticizes racist and xenophobic. This is from the Tennessean, so you can see it's pretty liberal. They included wrapping up deportation, blah, 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 building walls, yada, yada, yada. So she put out this statement, and then she put out another. My hope is that as President, Mr. As President, Mr. Trump will rise to the occasion by using language and taking actions to both celebrate the diversity we cherish in America and promote inclusion for all, Barry wrote in an email to citizens last week. So national council members, advocates, voice support for the sanctuary, sanctuary city policies. Found this article. I found video to go with it. And before I play it, I want you to understand, they make it like it's an issue. There might have been 20 freaking people there for this rally they did. But within an article, I found the numbers, the immigrant population, Nashville foreign-born population doubled in the 10 years between 20, 2000 and 2010 from 58,000 to 118, becoming 7.4% of Nashville's total population. The number has since increased to 12%, meaning more than one in every 10 Nashvillians was born outside the U.S. There are about 33,000 undocumented Nashvillians. The majority of the 11 million immigrants who entered the country illegally have lived in the U.S. for a decade or more. Most have children and other family members who are U.S. citizens. Entering the country illegally is a misdemeanor crime, so who gives a fuck? Staying in the country without legal status is punishable by civil penalties and is not a criminal offense. About 30% of Metro school student population from 2015 to 16 school year or just over 25,300 children learned English as a second language. Spanish is the most commonly spoken language after English. She then said... The Constitution does not apply here in Nashville. I'm committed to meeting the goals of the Paris Agreement, even if the President is not. And that's what made me just say, I gotta do something. I gotta say something about this lady and actually play the language they're talking about. She tweeted, if POTUS won't lead on climate change, cities must. Working with Aunt Mayor for Climate to do just that. And she literally is acting like Tennessee is somehow basically the West Coast? Is that what she's trying to say? But then when I researched, I realized, hey, Nashville's mayor-elect finds path between liberalism and commerce. That's the New York Times. Large article. She's trying to buck for liberal status. Just like she's going to now protect people with illegal status. So the Tennessean had this big shindig because they talked about it. Then they held another meeting and they said they're going to vote on it to kind of get it out in the public. 
And of course, the local news is like, well, it's no big deal. We should do this. For those who think I'm a xenophobic fuck, if you haven't been with the show, my son, who, yes, I'm estranged with, he got T-boned by illegal two hours after buying a brand new car. A $30,000 car was totaled by a legal immigrant in Nashville. The illegal immigrant did not have a driver's license, did not have insurance. But because he was illegal, the entire family showed up. His daughter lied and said she was driving the car. The police went along with it for my son's sake. The insurance company went along with it. My son didn't pay anything, including the deductible, because they knew they had a problem on their hand. And in this audio I'm about to play with, it's rather long. I just want to show you this is what's wrong with Democrats. We're going to listen, and then I'm going to blow the fuck up on the other side. Good afternoon, everyone, and thank you for joining us. My name is Stephanie Tichero, and I'm the co-executive director of the Tennessee Immigrants and Refugee Rights Coalition. And we are so excited to be here today with many of our members and supporters to discuss the filing of two landmark ordinances which make clear that in an era of mass deportations, the city of Nashville will continue to be a warm and welcoming city for all people, no matter where you're from or how you got here. While the federal government bears ultimate responsibility for our immigration laws, it is within America's cities and counties that immigration trends and policies are truly felt. It's in Nashville's neighborhoods, along our corridors, and in our schools, where we've experienced the benefits of an increasingly diverse and multicultural city. And it's here at the local level where we've most deeply felt uh, the effects of our outdated immigration system and our failing federal policies. The lives of immigrant families have been transformed in Nashville since the election. The president and ICE have made clear that all 33,000 undocumented Nashvillians are a priority for deportation, and that they'll try to use our local governments to scale up immigration enforcement. So as a result, immigrants in Nashville have been fearful of sending their kids to schools, of accessing critical services, and engaging with public agencies. To combat this deep fear and resulting isolation, and in response to the encroachment of the federal government on city agencies, we believe that Nashville and cities across Tennessee must adopt strong policies to make clear that they won't help with mass deportation. We were proud to work with members of the Metro Council to file these two strong ordinances that draw a bright line between the work of city agencies and federal immigration enforcement and to protect Nashville residents. And we are so excited to launch the Nashville Together campaign, which will be a broad citywide coalition of immigrants, refugees, and their neighbors in support of these policies. I also want to thank many of the co-sponsors, some who are here today, including District 6 Councilmember Brett Withers and District 23 Councilmember Nina Johnson. And I also want to thank many of the co-sponsors who were not able to join us today, including Councilmember at Large Erica Gilmore, Councilmember at Large Jim Shulman, District 7 Councilmember Anthony Davis, District 8 Councilmember Nancy Van Rees, Councilmember Bill Pridemore, Mike Freeman, Berkeley Allen, and Freddie O'Connor. This afternoon, we'll hear from the Vargas family, Turk members who have been living in Nashville for two decades, but now who live under fear of deportation. We'll hear from the ordinance lead sponsors, council member at large, Bob Mendez, and District 17 council member, Colby Sledge. We'll also hear from Vice Mayor David Briley. Good afternoon. 
My name is Soledad Avalos, and I have been a proud Norwegian for 20 years. I am mother of three daughters. My two younger daughters are U.S. citizens, and the oldest is a dreamer, protected by DACA. My husband and I, along with our oldest daughter, immigrated from Mexico to Nashville two decades ago for a better future. My family only knows this wonderful country and this welcoming city. Nashville is our home. My husband and I have worked very hard to improve our future and to give back to our community. We are proud homeowners. I own a food business and my husband owns a small painting company. We have raised our three children here and we have managed to put our oldest daughter to nursing school with all of our hard work. Our lives have changed with the new administration. We are afraid of losing everything we have worked very hard for. From January 20th, 2017 to this day, our lives are, are no longer the same. We have stopped going out to sell in our food truck because we are too afraid to drive. We worry about being stopped by the police, of going to jail for not having a driver's license. My beautiful family could be separated makes me sad. I feel useless for not being able to give them, them that security. I can't imagine my life without my family. I don't know what I will do if that happens. As a mom, I am very affected. My soul hurts. And I ask the city council from the bottom of my heart that you please do everything you can to keep my family together. I future is on your hands. Good afternoon, everyone. My name is Zachneet Vargas. Like my mother mentioned, I was brought to this country about 20 years ago when I was only three years old. Nashville is the only place that I can call home. For the past few years, I have had protection from deportation under DACA. But we have seen that under this administration, even DACA recipients like me can end up in deportation proceedings. Although I have a bit of protection and my two younger sisters are U.S. citizens, my parents do not feel safe or secure in Nashville anymore. My family has had to adjust their lives around the fear of deportation. I must be home before the sun comes down, and now I must carry every single piece of document that shows that I am protected from being deported back to a country I have no memory of in case I encounter ICE agents while I'm out in Nashville. And my sister and I... And my sister and I have to worry every time my parents are out at work. I cannot imagine my life without my parents. If we ever got separated, I'd have to be the primary caregiver for my sisters, and I would have to put my dream of becoming a nurse on hold. Sometimes I cannot sleep not knowing what our future holds. We ask that you pass these policies to keep ICE out of our government, out of our city government. Families like mine who have lived here for decades shouldn't have to fear Going to school or to the doctor or the community center might lead them, might lead to deportation. So, member Colby Sledge will speak first. Thank you. Good afternoon, Buenos Aires. I get the opportunity to be involved in several of our metro schools as a district council member. Uh, this is a system where you know, more than 140 languages are spoken. About 30% of students are English language learners, right? And so. 
some of the students that I get to interact with, one in particular, he just graduated fourth grade. Um, and we've been talking. We talked during lunch, and I always ask him the same question. I ask, where are you going to go next year? And we talk, and we, he talks about one school or another. So it had been a little while that I had gotten to speak with him. And we're at lunch one day, and I asked him, where are you going to go next year? And his answer was, we're either going to Seattle or Mexico. And that's because the answer changed. Um, his life had changed. Something had been taken from him. Uh, the ability to get hit had been taken from him. And these are the stories that we're hearing from school counselors who deal with these grieving children um, who don't know what's going to happen. Many of them who are U.S. citizens, but they don't know where their families are going to go. We hear from health officials. We hear from our domestic violence uh, service providers. We hear from our advocates that things are changing here. And so we have to make sure that at the root of these stories that there are two elements. There's trust and there's fear. Now, cities are built on trust. We work best when everyone participates. And our immigrant participants in our city, they're critical to making Nashville work. When we trust each other to protect each other, to serve each other, to provide for each other, the Nashville is stronger, it's more vibrant, and it's more welcoming. We're in Nashville together. When our local government is drawn into the work of federal government and federal immigration enforcement, that trust begins to disappear. Fear takes its place, and fear separates us. It separates our families from basic city services like health clinics and schools. It separates our immigrant businesses from the wider community. And when our city government begins to look more like the broken federal immigration system that has failed us for decades, Nashville becomes weaker. It becomes closed off and afraid. Fear replaces trust. So the bills that we're proposing today draw a bright line between the work of the city government and that of federal immigration enforcement. These bills clarify for the federal government, for city employees, and for our immigrant neighbors what everyone can expect from Nashville. In short, they aim to restore trust in our city government trust in our officials, and most importantly, trust in each other. Every Nashvilleian deserves the chance of that trust because we are in this together. Um, so it's such a powerful moral obligation that we feel to uh, make all our neighbors feel as safe here as possible. But we have to do it in the context of what is state law and what is federal law. I'm going to describe what the bills do, and I'm going to describe what they don't do. But fundamentally, we're seeking a balance between making Nashville as safe as possible for all our neighbors and fit within the confines of federal and state law. So first, what the bills don't do. Um, they do not violate state law. They don't violate federal law. They don't trigger the Department of Justice's definition of sanctuary jurisdiction. They don't allow Nashville to ignore criminal arrest warrants. All these things we may hear from opponents, um, but it's not true. Uh, this bill does not uh, violate any state or federal law. Um, what it does do is take the discretion and uh, flexibility that federal and state law allows cities to protect its citizens and use that discretion to create an environment that's safe for everybody. How do we do that? Um, one, the ordinance would require that no metro resources, funds, or facilities could be used to assist in immigration enforcement. It would require that if there was a warrantless, so no criminal warrant, that metro wouldn't honor it. It would require that Metro would not provide 
information about the custody status of anybody who's in custody with Metro. Um, and finally, what it would do is require a renegotiation of a 21-year-old contract that allows Metro's jail to be used as a regional ICE detention facility. Again, I want to emphasize that there are protections built in to make sure that there's no violation of state or federal law and that if there is a warrant that is outstanding under probable cause signed by a judge, Metro will honor it. Um, that's what these bills do. Fundamentally, we are trying to strike a balance between how we make all Nashvilleans feel safe, all our neighbors, and honor our obligations under state and federal law. Um, I'll be happy to answer questions when we're done, but for now we'll hand it over to the Vice Mayor, David Bradley. Uh Thanks, Bob. So I want to say thank you to the Vargas family because it's easy for all of us to be here, right? Uh, but the bravery that they showed to come here and speak um, putting themselves at risk, but to speak on behalf of all of the people in Nashville, all of our neighbors who are crying to us for help. That that looks like something was put out by some pro-open borders group. You got the little girl talking about my kids got this, got people saying I don't have a driver's license, I'm going to get kicked out. I've been here decades, but I can't speak English all of a sudden, or I chose not to speak English. And here's my problem with it. You'll say my problem is, Tony, you're a white guy. You're just a freaking closet racist. You hate people of other colors. If, if anything, it's the total opposite. I have many friends that have migrated here legally. They legally came in. They legally got their visas. They worked through the process. They paid, and they became citizens. I served with soldiers who legally came in the country. They served 10 years so they could get fast-tracked and become citizens. And I witnessed many guys in my career of Korean origin, Spanish origin. They all became citizens legally. That's what they did. These people come in, and in the words of a local reporter this week, which really disappointed me when I heard this, I was just totally in shock that they would put this on the air. Their latest angle is what the travel ban will do to local business. They weren't talking about the people with work visas that are coming here to work. What it will do for people that are illegally here. And here's my problem. If you have one in ten people, or all those children, as that article actually outlined, going to school for free, getting subsidies for free, getting housing allowance for free, that's illegal. Everybody else who's here legally, which most of us migrated here, our families did at some time, because there's very few American Indians in the Tennessee area, we're paying for you. We're paying for all of it. 
It raises the burden of taxes. It raises the burden for schools. It raises burdens for roads. It raises the rates of rent. It raises everything. Furthermore, it puts people out of jobs. They can't get jobs. Don't give me the bullshit about, oh, they just do jobs Americans don't want to do. In some cases, but not in all. And they're competing for those jobs, which is increases your unemployment rate in your local city. I am all for what the framers and what the freaking Statue of Liberty says. Legally coming here. We're the land of opportunity where you legally come. But Megan Barry, being a liberal shill who just wants to be the next Hillary Clinton, since all she did was campaign, which makes me wonder when she had time to cook this bullshit up. You want to enforce all these laws on a Christian institution that doesn't want to give emergency contraception or a Christian bakery who doesn't want to make a gay cake. You want to force all those misdemeanors on them. Sue them. Put them out of business. But you're saying the Constitution isn't good here. We don't have to follow the laws. And for a background on this whole thing, which I saved to the end before we go to the next segment, this was all spurred because ICE came in because the city wasn't working with them. They wore police uniforms. It went viral. So a bunch of doggone city councilmen who want to cater to minority votes and get people to vote because they're probably figuring out how they can get illegals to vote, a la Project Veritas, now made it an issue. Those videos were played all over the local news. That, oh, look at those dirty ICE people enforcing immigration laws that, yes, are federal, but these were people that were criminals. These are the exact people that are beginning deported under Trump that we've proven on the show is very little inflation over what Obama was doing. Hell, during the damn election, Obama raided the whole country. During Obama's administration, he deported more people than George Bush. These are bad people. So to garner votes and pander to a demographic, you're going to ignore federal law and become a sanctuary city where we're going to have all sorts of immigrants illegally working there, illegally getting all their money under the table, drawing all your benefits out, and pushing American citizens out of Music City. Are you fucking shitting me? Just so you can be the next Hillary Clinton? She is summed up by the fact she voted against the Predators, but she was strutting around in a Predators jersey. I'm their number one fan now. You're a fucking hypocrite, Megan Barry. And Tennesseans that live in Nashville, next time a fast little flashy female who says all the right things gets up there and you want to feel do-gooder about you and vote for a female do some goddamn research she's a liberal shell you're going to destroy America's city there are more foreign or not foreign but there are more tourists in that city every day than normal people walk in the streets. People who live there. That's America's city. So get your head out of your ass and vote that fucking bitch out of office. Yeah, I called her a bitch. I don't care. I don't give a shit. Next segment. Am I the meanest? 
Tony Reed of Woodlawn. Everybody pretty much knows everyone in Savona. A very small, close-knit, rural community. Neighbors watched in disbelief as their quiet street was turned into a crime scene. Derek Roby was beaten to death. Autopsy reports show he died from blows to the head. State and local investigators have no suspects. Wow, it's terrible murder like this. Everyone was saying, you know, let's go find the drifter, whoever this adult is. And then, boom, you see this little freckle-faced, red-haired kid with glasses. That's the monster that did it. It can't be. 13-year-old Eric Smith was arraigned in village court this morning. It was unbelievable. In the age of the defendant, obviously the, the age of the victim, and that lurking question, why? How? Eric's blowing bubbles on the porch. I never thought that he could do that. I was with him every day, all day. And that one day that everything happened, I wasn't with him. He was known not to have any friends. He would be seen just riding his bike alone around Savona all the time by himself. He was bullied in school. Like we never wanted to ride the bus home because who's the next person they're gonna mess with him? What are they gonna do today? The one day that I do remember is one of the older kids took his book bag and just dumped all of his books and everything out of it and then t yelled at him and told him to pick it up. You're a mean looking dude, you know that? Eric had been teased about his appearance. Derek, on the other hand, was this picture-perfect, cute, happy, athletic child. Unfortunately, at 13, I viewed life in a very dark manner. I couldn't carry the pain and anguish that I felt anymore. I rode my bike around, and I seen Derek. I can take my anger out on him. I don't think it was premeditated. Uh, I think it was chance. Eric wanted to experience what it felt like to be in control. Eric Smith saw Derek Roby and recognized immediately that he was going to kill him. He was premeditated. I got him by himself and... <sighs> I strangled him. I hit him over the head with a rock numerous times and poured Kool-Aid on him. And I became the bully that I hated in school. I became the individual who dished out pain to someone who didn't deserve it. When Eric told the investigators that he was riding by there when the murder happened, 
boom, something popped. They said, wow, he was there. Maybe he saw something. They thought that I knew who did it or I'd seen who had done it. But the person they were looking for is me. I couldn't hold it in anymore. Okay, that's a sneak trailer or sneak peek trailer for a show called Kids Who Kill. And it was a two-hour show me and my wife watched that really blew my mind out, all right? Just just blew my mind out. First of all, it was very liberally bent. I watched one after Women Who Killed, and it was more flatline. It was more of a documentary. But this was very liberally bent that they were basically saying, we should give a kid second third, 19th chance, they're just children, we shouldn't throw them away. When the case <coughs> cases involved, these kids like thought out and killed their parents, or tried to kill them. And one of the kids was literally in his underwear. Shot his mom and dad in the face. His dad's fucked up for life. His mom had to get reconstructive surgery. They still love him, just like all parents do. But he, he it was premeditated. It was all because he didn't get his way. Most of the kids were white, and they got the same sentence. But every time an African-American kid, and there were two in the show, came up, it was because of the race. That's how the bent was of this documentary. And it was always, the system doesn't rehabilitate people. It makes it worse, so we shouldn't throw people away. But in the end, for me, if a child does it at this age, and it's so heinous, like, in one case, a kid literally got mad because he got suspended, but he was trying to get this girl. And he doesn't know why he put the gun in his sock, but he rode to school. And he doesn't know why he shot the teacher in the fucking face and killed him. But the video shows him. I don't know how the gun went off. He was playing. He was so devious. It was obvious. He knew what he was doing. And I think a child that does that, I don't care if you're 14, 15, or 16. If you could do that at 14, 15, and 16, what the hell are you going to do when you're an adult? So yes, although I don't think all kids who commit a crime should get adult sentences, when kids murder, I don't think we have a choice but to give them adult sentences. That's just how I look at it. Because that's a bridge. They went across that bridge they burned the sum bitch down. So to our last music break, gonna play Pavarotti. No shit. Yeah. Pavarotti, we're gonna go into news. Social media nuggets.
Now it's time for news and social media nuggets. The crazy stuff that makes your host lose his mind. Military Corner. Well, well, before we get there, that was Pavarotti as uh, one of his last performances before he died of pancreatic cancer, and that was fake. That was Beyonce. Uh, it was very cold. It was the Winter Olympics, and the conductor post his death released that he he couldn't sing in the cold like that. Nobody could have. It wasn't a dog on him. He just couldn't do it. And so the orchestra, him, and the conductor all faked. The entire performance. And it was one of his finest performances ever. So, Air Force drone crashes in remote area near Mount Whitley. Uh, this is in California. And they don't know why it did. It was a RQ-4 Global Hawk. And that, what is that, the second or third this year? That's pretty scary. They need to get control of their shit. Unemployment among military spouses is a problem that's not going away. Military spouses' unemployment is a serious problem for the 641,639 people who are married to active duty service members. Nearly half of those significant others are unemployed, according to a new study by the U.S. Chamber of Commerce released June 14th. That is unbelievably scary. Some of them by choice. But a lot of them are because they move a lot. And I know my wife had a great career going. I was a drill sergeant in uh, Fort Jackson, South Kakalaki. And we were supposed to, she was supposed to get a job at the next duty assignment. But she didn't get shit. There was nothing there when she got there. And it took her a long time to get back in the glide. Now it worked out for the better and she's got a great career going now. But that was because we ended up staying here. Got here in 97. I left in 2000. I came back. I went to war. I came back. I went to California. I retired. But that has a lot to do with it because there are programs. But, you know, you got to know somebody or blow somebody to get into the on-post jobs. It's just That's just the way it is. It's not easy. Okay. There was no escaping it. Iraq vets are becoming terminally ill and burn pits may be to blame. Large article talking about effects somewhat like Gulf War syndrome from the burning chemicals. And they think it's the burn pits. I don't know. Uh, you know, I did get 20% disability for my sinuses. I don't know why I got that. I don't really think the government's fault, but maybe they are, and that's why they paid me. Who the hell knows? Well, I don't know if they paid me, but, you know, in the long run, it all adds up to a disability level. This one's freaking awesome. It's from um, Task of Purpose. 21 all-too-real plot ideas for Top Gun Maverick, the new one, okay? And... 
These are pretty funny. Top Gun 2 in just 90 minutes of Maverick in a holding pattern because drones are priority over the airspace. (laughs) Uh, Maverick, this PowerPoint is utter trash. We need you to make it all for a meeting tomorrow morning. That's pretty true with the military. Trigger warning. Tom Cruise plays an older Maverick who must refrain from offending his sensitive millennial student pilots. (laughs) All the Top Gun 2 jokes remind me Maverick will be older now than Viper was then. Indeed, he'd have to have retired unless he made flag, and that's a true statement. Unless he kept fucking up and they just let him stay in. This is why I joked that Top Gun 2 will involve Maverick sitting in a VA waiting room waiting to see a doctor. Isn't that the truth? Another one, a depressed and borderline alcoholic Maverick flies a cargo plane full of rubber dog crap out of Hong Kong. Woo! I love that one. Uh, the plot is leaked. Maverick drives his plane into a supermarket, walks away like nothing happened, then blames it on autopilot. Maverick supervises drone pilots in CONUS, authorizing hellfire strikes on Afghan wedding. He jerks off constantly, but can't come. <laughs> okay, that's crude, but if you're ex-military, that's not crude. Fade in. Maverick's bedroom. We see Maverick, 57, at his laptop scrolling through Bybart when the phone rings. That's not funny. All I want is a Top Gun 2 plot of Maverick and Ice trying to determine how to fix psychological episodes. Maverick finds a courage to fly again, but not to tell fat Iceman that he's no longer attracted to him and their marriage is over. And it goes on and just devolves into more stupidity. So I think that's pretty docked on funny. Uh, let's see. LA Times op-ed. Unrestricted free speech is giving marginalized groups PTSD and eating disorders. They are basically saying that the right is the oppressive ones. At that point, I no longer read the article. Cross in Pensacola Park must come down, violates Constitution federal judge rules. ACLU or anti, no, it was an atheist. As this article says, atheists across the fruit of plan are rejoicing after a federal judge declared Monday that a cross erected in a Florida park violated the law and must come down. I know where that cross is. I think it's just fucking bullshit. The Freedom from Religion Foundation and the American Humanist Association on behalf of our Pensacola citizens. The judge pointed out the park has hosted tens of thousands of people roughly 75 years without causing anyone offense until now. Until now. My daughter would be happy because she's an atheist. But I just think that's the most ridiculous thing in the world. The flat, that, that freaking cross has been there forever. But somehow you're offended by it? Get a goddamn grip. The rainbow armpit hair trend has finally arrived. I need not that that's real thing. That's a goddamn real thing. Twitter rainbow pits. Got to do my BFF potato slawing today. Check out the process on my story. She also wanted some rainbow armor pits for St. Louis Pride this weekend. We'd all that hair using Pulpotrio hair color and Kevin Murphy hair color and conditioner thirsty locks with Brazilian bond builder. Yep. Yep. But somehow I'm the freak because I'm a white guy. Okay. This is the saddest thing I've ever read on this show. Millennial men are bolstering the plastic surgery industry. Nose jobs, ear pinnings. Go take your balls and donate them to science. You're not using them. What the fuck? I need to get a background music for this. 
Somebody suggest a background music for me to play in Noose's social media nuggets. I'd really love it. And he's that, you know, I was thinking about circus music, but I don't know, man. Some of this shit's just freaking crazy. The circus is better. This one's kind of cool. I'm going to use this against my wife. Weekly romp could help aging. So if you have a lot of sex, they tested 28 to 45 and 50 to 83. Uh, if they had sex weekly, monthly, or never, the weekly sex people were smarter. In another study, extra virgin olive oil, or EVOO, as that Rachel Ray says, after I fuck it up profusely, it preserves memory. I eat a lot of extra virgin olive oil, and I can't find my keys all the time, so I don't think that could be... True, but whatever. Notorious killer Luca Magnata has found love in prison. Magnata, who's serving a life sentence for the first-degree murder of international student Lynn June in 2012, was planning to get married on June 26th to Anthony Jolin, another inmate. Notice about the civil marriage is posted at the Sept-Ales Courthouse in Montreal. Wow, isn't that sweet? Exploding cream dispenser kills French fitness blogger. This chick was buff as shit, and somehow a whipped cream dispenser exploded, hit her in her chest, and killed her. If that isn't a cruel irony, I don't know what it is. I'm not trying to belittle her death. It's fucking horrible, but I can't believe somebody who's super buff died because of whipped cream. It reminds me a lot, and I hate to make this joke, of, you know, the freaking dodgeball movie. With him rubbing the pizza all over his body. It's just creepy. A Cypress mom goes even creepier. Undergoes eight surgeries to look like First Lady of Melania Trump. No shit. Change her face, boobs, tummy tuck, the whole nine yard. Mm. Another freak. Judge grants man's request for Trump name. Texan Ernesto Baez Acosta 34 is now Ernesto Baez Acosta Trump. If you got a hyphen name, you're a douchebag, and he's a freak. Only thing that isn't tattooed on his body is his pee-pee and his face. Like, just the face. Like, the front of it. Like, if you were wearing, like, a a mask to go rob a bank, that portion of your face is the only thing he doesn't have tattooed. To other freaks, because this is a freak episode, white ex-employee at Infosys, and Plano files suit claiming company favored workers for Indians. They're bringing people over from India, making them follow them, learning their job, and then shit canning them because they're going to pay the Indian immigrants more money. I hope he wins because that's pretty good. That's what we should all start doing because the companies do that's pretty fucking shitty. And I only say that because that's what happened to our company. It wasn't a foreign country people replacing us. They did suck our brains out and get rid of us. This one makes total sense to me. Link between more car crashes and legal pot in Colorado, a 15% increase between 2012 and 16 in car crashes. Washington, a uh, 7%. Oregon, a 4%. Combined, the overall average has increased 3.5%. And in those cases, it's because people are literally stoned while driving. They should change it from DUI to SWD, stoned while driving. If you watch live PD, you will see a lot of stoned while driving. 
people. It is just insane how many people are not riding dirty. They are dirty while riding. I mean, they've just ingested the shit. Okay, uh, we've done it de- extremely decent for a lighter fare before. This one is Life is Good and Always Will Be. It's a mu- music video. I thought it was funny. It might not. So they have a YouTube channel. Extremely decent. Enjoy. pretty funny they're pretty doggone funny so check out the youtube cha- channel once again extremely decent so this wraps up another episode of flyover politic podcast please feel free to share this with family and friends and send comments by emailing f-o-p-p-o-d-c-a-s-t at gmail.com fop podcast gmail.com you can get this show on soundcloud podcast addict tune in radio google play itunes blueberry stitcher and remember to check out the flyover politic webpage at foppodcast.com foppodcast.com it's a theme to see links to feeds for the show links to our facebook page and to email us there you'll also see links to every episode on the episode release page and my blog on the blog page which I will be blocking tomorrow. Our next podcast will be tomorrow, the 28th of June, year of our Lord, 2017. We're going to cover the uh, PP or the Supreme Court first. Then we're going to go into the PPFA releases its numbers. Some interesting stuff. Once again, your homework. Don't forget it. What is emergency contraception? Fourth of July, the history of Smithville Jamboree, where I spend my fourth or near it because it's actually on the first this year. 
Everybody Lies by Steph Stephen Davidowitz. An interesting liberal book that basically says everybody's a fucking racist. There's very interesting things in there that I will cover that the media ignored. And news, social media nuggets to close it out. Hopefully, whenever you're listening to this, either tonight or tomorrow morning, you have a fantastic evening or morning, a great rest of the week. Tune in once again for tomorrow's podcast. It'll be a good one. And I, as always, thank you all for listening. Let the bodies hit the floor. Let the bodies hit the floor.